0: Physical training, self-defense training, firearms training, situational awareness, and the warrior mindset. Welcome to the Condition One Podcast. This is a podcast where we're we're going Welcome to the Condition One Podcast. This is a podcast where we'll be talking about being ready. We'll also be speaking to victim survivors of physical encounters, how they dealt with the aftermath physically, mentally, and spiritually. Welcome to the Condition One Podcast with me, your host, John Riddle. I'd like to thank our sponsor, the Crestwood Technology Group, CTG, supplies the defense and aviation industries with critical parts and materials designed to keep fleets and systems operational ready and safe check out the crestwood technology group at ctgnow.com okay welcome to the condition one podcast with me your host john riddle uh today's on today's segment uh, we have master terry giles on board with us Um, terry is a martial arts master and world champion and operated a series of successful gyms and training studios over three decades. It started with a single martial arts studio, and in addition to teaching students the history and disciplines of the traditional arts, Master Giles specialized training techniques and physical conditioning regimes in full-contact fighting, competition sparring, and defensive tactics had him sought after by martial artists from around the country and abroad. This grew into multiple locations that focused on reality-based training, Master Giles having adopted a philosophy early on in the martial arts and ever-evolving, and that the true spirit of martial arts through practical application of the arts into real-world situations had to be addressed. He understood this and took it upon himself to to take care of this issue. In this time, Master Giles had become a staff instructor with Executive Security International in Aspen, Colorado. A skilled combat shooter, he became a range master under legendary firearms instructor John Farnham. Master Giles combined his unique skill set and created a unique realistic training scenarios and combative training system geared specifically for real life personal protection. Master Giles was pursued by numerous law enforcement, government, federal, military, and private sector agencies to provide specialized training, conditioning, and team organization. He took students through hand-to-hand and unarmed combat drills, comprehensive firearms training, as well as physical, mental, and physiological training regimes. He expanded to include two weightlifting gyms that specialized in performance training for all sports. Terry became world-renowned for his cross-training ideas and innovations. His vast knowledge of performance, nutrition, and sports-specific training drew athletes from all over the world. This all co- culminated into his vast last training facility, which occupied over 18,000 square feet and consisted of martial arts training, full power lifting, bodybuilding training, nutritional counseling, and an extensive cross-training and performance training wow there's a lot of stuff there and uh, i'm here to tell you i've trained with terry i don't know probably 12 10 12 years um, at his gym in weightlifting bodybuilding and also in the martial arts uh, he was my martial arts instructor um, i hold a black belt under terry and although i Started dabbling in martial arts at the age of 16 um, up in and boxing in Philadelphia where I grew up Uh, Training with Terry really set the path for me And where I am today so he he gave me a great foundation and uh, we're gonna talk about some of his philosophies today and what he's doing and uh, It's gonna be a very interesting show. So I want to welcome aboard master terry giles
1: john how are you It's good, good to man. see you again my brother
0: good to see you it's been a long time uh, yeah, it has too long so terry just to usually uh, you know we know each other we know each other for a yeah. long time and and uh you know through different ups and downs and a lot of ups some things we do and do not want to talk about uh, but an icebreaker question i usually have is uh what is the first thing you do in the, when you wake up in the morning and what does your typical day look like?
1: Well, I'm an early riser. I'm up at four or four 30. Um, usually I'll hit the bike, get some stationary bike training in just to get the cardio going. Um, usually we'll, we'll skip my morning meal, which is a, that's an old age thing. I've just gotten into that habit of, you know, I'm on, I'm on the move. So, uh, I'll eat a little bit later in the day. And then uh, my day now consists of, I, I run a company that's uh, about a $200 million company. So it's, um, it's pretty complex in all the moving parts. Um, you and I've talked about this before. I, I think I've carried my background from martial arts and, and everything I've done into the business world, where I, th- I believe that um, maintaining good business is maintaining the good discipline that I had when I had all of my schools and gyms.
0: Yeah, uh, and I remember kind of outside of just training with you, watching you and you you were always dabbling in some other type of businesses, and, which I thought was pretty impressive. Uh and I think yeah, that's that's that was your learning phase maybe, back in the early yeah. days, you know.
1: Yeah, it was, John. I mean, it was um I, you know, it's funny being a being a martial artist and and being involved in the 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 scope of what that entailed you know learning and then teaching opening schools opening gyms um you know it's uh, you you know you're a school owner you're an instructor and it can be an up and down industry and so you always do things to make sure that you solidify what your future can be and um i I think that again it goes back to psychological discipline to follow through and hold yourself accountable not just your students and the people around you that you're training, but hold yourself accountable.
0: Absolutely. And I am learning that also as we go. You know, we've been open 12 years here. I've been teaching 12 years in my own school. Time is flying by. And, yeah, the accountability for yourself, your students, and the business itself is really important to keep it up and keep it running. You know? Exactly. Uh, So when did you start in your martial arts training?
1: I was um six or seven years old um there was a a a korean uh, gentleman who had been sponsored by the church that i went to that was brought to this country and um through my association with uh, the family that was sponsoring him i got to sweep the karate studio every day i got to clean the dirty towels i got to wipe up sweat and eventually i earned my place on the mat and um that evolved into by the time I was 16, um, earning my black belt, um, I was uh, fortunate to study study under YK Kim, O C Chun, P L Cho, I mean, just a countless group of people. And much like yourself, once I, I earned my rank, I felt that I had just scratched the surface of learning. And so I would take every opportunity to learn from anyone that I could because If, if you take your mind as a canvas and you paint out just the little corner, that's what you learn in 16 or 18, 10, 12, 15 years of training. And you've got this whole blank canvas. that's still out there. So I was fortunate in my time, um, that there were places like the academy, the Aspen Academy of martial arts, which was really just a giant tent where every year for three weeks, martial artists from all over the world would gather. And I got to meet with some really impressive people. It's how I came to know Bob Dugan and got involved with ESI. And, um, you know, through that, I got involved with people like um, Jack McGeorge, who was a Marine and also a a Secret Service man uh, for Gerald Ford. And I got to meet Paul Ekman and David, all these guys that came from backgrounds that may not have been where I was headed, but they had something to do with where I was going. Gotcha. And so I, I, I looked at, I, I looked at, and you know, from studying under me, I look at, this is our life, right? So this mm-hmm. is not something we put on in the morning and we take off at night. The, right. This is not a pair of pants, right? Exactly. Just, yeah. This is our life. And you have people that go through life so one dimensionally. And, and I know a lot of good martial artists and you and I have mutual friends that are very good martial artists. Many of them live, and this is not a criticism, but it's a one- or two-dimensional life. I hope that I sh- that I shed on my students my philosophy of a three-dimensional life. I know that you've gotten it. You're one of the students that I'm most proud of, and I'm not doing that as a blow-and-smoke thing. You have taken what you learned, and you've taken the solid platform, and, and you learned like I did. You learned the basic foundation. There's a lot to be said for learning basic foundational martial arts traditional martial arts absolutely it teaches you discipline it teaches you repetition mm-hmm. um then you moved into like i did where i became i i, I fought for many years in bare fist, full contact kumite and was very successful i trained fighters uh, i worked with points contact people i got very disillusioned with not unlike many people get disillusioned with mass religion and things because the church has becomes more important than, than the belief. Right? right. I think that some of the federations and associations, they lost sight of what they were supposed to do and the school or the federation became far more important than the students in the learning. And so we develop our own system that becomes a culminative hybrid system of, of all of the things that we've learned. And we try to give that to our students. And then beyond that, I saw that the martial arts, was just one facet of personal protection so you know i was avidly involved in competitive firearms but also with john Farnham learning how to actually teach, teach competitive shooting and combat shooting and scenario situations you know i seven championships as a race car driver you know yeah. uh, <laughs> i I, ta- I think that that if you don't know how to completely understand how to use your car as a weapon or to use escape and evasion driving as a technique in your livelihood as a person who protects people or protects your family you're missing another part of that um solution let's sure.
0: say absolutely i agree 100 yeah
1: yeah so um, that that's kind of how you, you you know i mean we could talk for hours on mm-hmm. on the past and but i i think you know you you came in to my to my school and studied with me At a time when I was kind of breaking from tradition more so than adhering to it, yet I still taught the traditional principles of you will learn these forms.
0: Absolutely. And that's, you know, like I said, when I was growing up, I was involved in the very traditional area in the Taekwondo and then broke away from it for a while. In law enforcement, we get the defensive tactics side of the house, right? And we know how limited that is Uh, yes and when i came to you it was like okay i'm back in this traditional setting and then it was like okay wait a minute Uh, maybe i'm not back in this traditional setting do i like this do i not like it right and it took me several years to figure out what you were doing and i mean i had this epiphany just a couple years back because of what i'm doing here that right. that uh you know what Terry had it right the whole time he had it right the Thank whole you. time uh, it's Thank it's you, it's a thing that you know you can't be one dimensional you know and and even today i think some people look down on that in the in the martial arts world you know they, they for one reason or another and
1: well if i can that? john i don't yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't want to interrupt you in, in that thought process, but, but in, in, in joining with you in that, and I appreciate you saying that because I know there were students that had been with me a long time prior to you, you joining. Right. And, mm-hmm. and they kind of got that they were with me when I was very, very traditional and, and they saw me moving away because they saw what I went through. And, 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 and one of those things is like being associated with, with Farang and and because uh, I came from the Kukul side, mm-hmm. and with the Farang practitioners, um, it became a monopoly. And it was about how much you paid the association, how much you paid the group, and how mm-hmm. much you did this. And they wanted a percentage of what you were. Well, I I won my all of my championships as uh, in Berfes Kumite uh, on what I taught myself. Now I used the foundational principles of of. Of the Kuksul, the Tangsudo, the Mutaquan, the Changdaquan, all of those things that I was exposed to. However, um, I, I felt like they were limited and I wanted to evolve them. So, to answer something that you and I have probably never spoken about, um, I was in a time when I watched a, a very impressive martial artist in West Palm Beach, Warren Sisleano, who ran a, a system called Carrado Karate which he basically evolved and developed much like what you and I have done in present day, right? Mm-hmm. And I watched the ridicule that he went through because it was a homemade karate. it was you know it was all right. BS what you know and, and it was all because it didn't tie back to some guy uh, in 13 BC that studied under a <laughs> Hindu himself or right you know and so uh, fast forward right? So over and you and you know, uh, Bob Dugan and I are still friends and we still talk and we go back to, we were the, some of the original American uh, farang stylists and, and that's a very fragmented group. We were all excommunicated. We were all, we were all stripped of our rank within that system. You can take my belt because I didn't pay your dues, but you're not going to take the knowledge that I, I've evolved and developed.
0: Absolutely.
1: So when you came to the school, I was, I was a businessman running a gym and running schools. I was re- well respected in the defensive tactics by the police and military that I'd trained. And you can attest to that mm-hmm. from what I took to the city of West Palm beach and to the Palm beach County Sheriff's department. When I started training their SWAT teams and working with you mm-hmm. and the cat team, I think it was the first time some of your guys had ever trained with contact oh, absolutely! <laughs> it scared the bejesus out I of sure them. Did. right? <laughs> uh, but 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 what I was trying to get at was I had to I had to balance between how do I run my school profitably without making a belt factory, teaching what I know is going to save somebody's life versus teaching them the traditional kick punch throw, right? Right. And I, I was a little nervous to completely break away into what today I would step out and say, I will teach the foundation up to a certain point so they learn the movements. But at that point, I've got to break them out and teach them the things like you teach today and I teach today. It's it's combatives. It's real life scenario. And so, yeah, I think I was hard to swallow for a lot of people. And I will agree with you. There are people that look at what some stylists do today. You know, you take a a Kelly McCann, who's very well versed in what he does. Mm -hmm. There are martial artists that would look at that and say, oh, that's that's not that's not karate. That's not martial arts. Mm -hmm. The hell it's not. You know, stand in Agreed. front of the man and try to stick a knife in his gut. Absolutely. And, and where are you where going to end up, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that uh, you saw it, you lived it with me. The students that I, the, the, the few students that I still train today or that I'll work with, um, mainly I do, you know, like, you know, I'll, I'll come in and do a seminar and talk about uh, practical application. And I really like to talk about the totality of the mindset, there being three-dimensional mm-hmm. in everything you do. So, um, I, I think what, what I appreciate most about you is you've taken what I did and you, you've continued that. I think I, you know, in the traditional martial arts is you've carried the torch, but really what you've done is you've opened a new generation of eyes. See, at 61 years old, you're carrying the torch and you're, you and I are about the same age. Mm -hmm. I'm now working back with more military people being around Redstone Arsenal in this part of the country and, and all of the, um the defense contractors that are here and, and you're, you're kind of doing what I was doing. you have you've, you've got the civilian set, which come to your studio in Boca, which is, I mean, you know, that's doing God's work, brother. Cause you're teaching people how to defend themselves. Yeah. And then you've got your other contracts where you're working with companies and things like that. We have to, t- we have to give this message out, John, mm-hmm. because the traditional martial artists are still mired in the belt factory concept of, when that student enters, I can keep him for X number of years, and he's going to generate X number of dollars. Right. I don't want to do that. I I want to have students like you. I remember, I was teaching dynamic entry concepts, and I was teaching the cross body block, and we did it with your SWAT team. I, I laid you out. I laid three or four guys out. <laughs> half the room left, and said they they, yeah. they, they didn't we're want gonna to call do it day.
0: that. <laughs> yeah, we're going to lunch. And
1: I remember. I remember. When you came into the school i think it was a couple days later and you kind of gave me the bro hug and you said you saved my life and i said what do you mean you said i did an entry into a house the guy came at me and i did the crossbody block i knocked him to the ground and the gun that he was holding fell out of his hand mm-hmm. yeah. and at that point i could have stopped teaching because i had done what i was supposed to do i i taught somebody how to save their own life right and, and,
0: and on this side of the house down here, uh, it, it's that feeling, you know, because I've had some people come back to me and tell me similar things, you know, and you can't beat that feeling. You, you know, it's not why we do this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If I did it,
1: if I did it for the money, I, 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 yeah. I would have been worthless. I'd have been worthless. Right. You know, yeah, we have to pay our bills. But at the same token, I, I believe that we all have a martial calling if we're at a certain level. And and I feel like I was kind of a pioneer in, I, I can see it a little more clear now from conversations with you and other people that that I have reconnected with, that studied with me for 15 or 20 years that I haven't seen in 15 or 20 years. And, and I guess it was kind of evolutionary, the process that I thought, we take these fundamental movements and these basics, we evolve them into real day hand to hand tactics. We incorporate guns we incorporate psychology profiling we incorporate situational awareness we associate physiology and understanding the body you know as well as i do from being in a ring with me i've spent hundreds of thousands of hours in a ring i know pretty much what my opponent's going to do before he does right my my mind's a, a rolodex it's mm-hmm. it's it's every person i've ever faced and confronted in my mind and i watch their i watch their body dynamic and their movement so that I can assess what their capability of, uh, you know, is, and I know how to think about how I'm going to defend myself.
0: Right. The so, only
1: person that ever hurt me was a white belt when he kicked me with something that is physiologically impossible. And I'm like, what the hell? Where'd that come from? You can't do that. And I, I was like, I don't know if he had extra bones or didn't have bones in that leg. But my God, you know, yeah. It was like, and it teaches us a lesson. You know, we, we get humbled quickly sometimes by the, the, the lowest ranking students in oh, our school.
0: Absolutely. And you talk about your, your experience in the ring. And I often, very often reflect back to what you taught me in the ring. And I take that here, you know, and it makes sense. Everything makes sense that, that I learned from you. And I'm still passing that on to other people. So I and
1: I see it in I see it in your videos that I okay. watch. I, I go, my God, it's like looking in a mirror. Sometimes I mean, you know, you've you've taken what I've taught you and 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 for your body and for the person you're training. I watch you adapt things to them to fit them the way that I did with you and other other students Absolutely. that that excelled. You know, and you know, John. I mean, I, I over my years of teaching, I, I turned out um, just over a dozen quality black belts, such as yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's out of hundreds of students. But you know, I mean, there was a process to get into my school. I, I didn't want to just teach people. I, I wanted to teach people that wanted to learn. I didn't want to teach people that wanted to belt.
0: Yes. And I, I have this thought pattern that I, and I talk to, to people about. And it's, you know, you've got people to come in that, and I always say that maybe there's three reasons why people show up at a, at a school, right? One, they see something that you do and they think it's cool. And they want to come in and they they want to do that, right? They usually don't last too long. Right. Then you got somebody that comes in that needs to be, like my classes are from 630 in the evening until 8 o'clock at night. So it's some people need to be there, something to do between 630 and 8 o'clock, you know? And they show up every so often and they get what they get, right? They get out of it what they get out of it. Then you have people come in for a purpose, And I think, you know, that purpose is, hey, I had something happen to me and I never want that to happen again, you know, and they, or it
1: happened to a friend of mine and I don't want to be a victim.
0: Absolutely. And, and it's that connection, right? And it's, it's because you get a lot of people that say, oh, you know, why do you do what you do? It's, you know, it's a safe world. Boca Raton's really safe, you know? Well, how many people do you know that had something happen to them? Okay. You may know them personally. Maybe it's a friend of yours friend, but there's still that connection. You know, and I said it's that close to you.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, and if something already happened to you, then you're a little behind the ball. You're going to get ahead of it if you start to understand. Look, I need to do something to protect myself, protect my family, right? Especially in today's crazy world. So, so I, I need to get on the stick and I need to start training, right? And then, then those people usually are the ones that come in, and they. For that hour and a half, they're on my mat, or training with you, they leave everything on the mat. Yep. You know, and they're the ones that will succeed.
1: Well, that's you know, John. You, you touch on something. It's not only a, an emotional connection that you get with that student. There's there's a psychological connection, right? Right. And 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 really, it 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 boils down to, yeah, it's a safe world. In, in, in most respects in in certain areas that 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 we you and I have traveled it's a safe world then there's other areas of the world that you and I have traveled that we know are just not structured not safe and and they're, they're at any time chaos can happen right? right all the years and you know it was it was uh, what almost 20 years that I was involved in executive protection at a high level Um the 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 chance of protecting somebody against a true kidnapping attempt was was a half a one percent. The chance of being in the wrong place at the wrong time was ninety nine percent of what you were going to face. You pull up and you're getting gas and somebody decides to rob the gas station. You're driving down the street and somebody you know what whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. the situation. Um, and, and what you had to always teach your clients was that this is, this is about awareness and putting yourself in positions to not lose or not have, you know, there was an expression in the executive protection in industry that, you know, it was dead clients don't pay. Mm-hmm. Well, I got I got, I used to say that I got, I got a message for you. Dead bodyguards can't collect either. Right. Right. So mm-hmm. if I'm in a position, if I put my, if I put myself and my client in a position where I have to pull my gun. Or use physical force, unless I'm, you know, talking about in today's world. I'm, 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 I'm part of a, a brigade that's watching a political figure or somebody that's uh, a public figure that people despise, and you get all these crazy people. You know, I mean, look at Larry Elder and the the girl throwing eggs at him, and and right. then mm-hmm. he, he had he had really not. If you watch that, there wasn't much protection around him, and you got all these people then in the street that start posturing. Mm-hmm. That could have could become a very dangerous situation. Absolutely. Yeah. And it goes back to where was the observational psychology? Where was the situational awareness? And that's what I think, if we get those emotional bonds and those psychological bonds with those few students, and it's a few students, mm-hmm. we can get them to understand there's three dimensions to this world and not the one, you know, you get the guy that comes in and he's a great kicker, great puncher, and a great fighter. That That's only part of it. It, you, you've got to be able to have all of the other, you've got to have this. Absolutely. If you don't have that, you're lost brother. Uh, I mean, and you, 100%. you know, yeah. 100%. you know, and, and I, how many, how many good fighters did you see get in the ring with me? And in 25 or 30 seconds, I've dissected them to the point where they're like, man, this is correct. Well, you came in with the wrong mindset. Yeah. You came in thinking you were going to kick my ass. Mm-hmm. That, that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. I believe you know?
0: the mindset and I talk to people every day about mindset, you know, and survival mindset. Uh, out on the street, right? And it's it's look, 28 years in law enforcement, and being able to look at people and be able to read their body language, you know, and yep. uh, and understand that he may be a threat. Uh, you know, and how do I now? I start looking at this, and I how do I dissect this now, and either make space, leave, or if I can't, now I've got to get combative. W- you have to look at the body you have to look at that person's body and understand where they are Um, and that's a big part of what we what I teach here uh, that it's not all punching and kicking you know it's it's not it's really not it's you know you got to get people to start thinking about what they're going to do why are they in the place they are right and then be able to think about okay if i'm here and i see this i have options you know so if you're not using this you're going to get caught you're going to get yeah. caught and at a young age uh, in law enforcement i got caught a couple times before yep. learning that hey you know use this this is the yeah. first thing this is 90, 95% i'm going to lean that a little high but i think 95% is is this the rest oh, of absolutely it, and, and... Yeah,
1: because you got to remember, that's also your reference center, right? That's your library. Right. Not only are you using it for thought, you're using it for recall. Mm-hmm. You know, how does a person like this usually move? What is the situation? I've got this, this is there, the street signs there, this is that, that's that, that. Okay. So, so you and I are talking about defending ourselves, right? So now let's put the, um, let's put the burden of now I've got my wife, girlfriend, my sister, my mother, mm-hmm. or I've got my family. So not only do I have to contain this initial area of confrontation for myself i have to protect things that are not part of my appendage you know these things aren't attached to me right and they're going to move about and do Mm -hmm. and um you know there were situations where we were contracted to to um, um get people out of bad situations and i'll put it that way um and i can remember how many hours we would put into the dynamic of not only the entry or the approach, but once we had the person that we had to have out of a situation and we'd neutralize, let's say, the bad guys, right? I don't know how that person's going to react. Right. So not only do I have to contain that person, contain the combatives, I've I've got to also understand the psychology of this person that we're supposed to carry to safety. Right. And that creates a whole nother Dynamic. set of nightmares. Right. Yeah, it does. It's it, it, You know, it's like it's like rescuing a drowning person, and that person, out of fear or just reflex, starts to drown you. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. there's so much that goes into the, the the psychology of self-defense that honestly, I felt no longer did the traditional methods of training, other than teaching the foundational principles. I felt that we as a society moved past. The demand, right? We we it it became a greater threat on so many different levels that if we didn't start to address the psychological side of self-defense, the physical side of our own bodies, the physiology of understanding our opponents, and all of how to capture our surroundings to use to our benefit as weapons, then we were really just pounding sand. Wow. I mean, I, I yeah. and, and so. that's where you you know you came into my philosophy of teaching right about that time Mm -hmm. and i think that um you know since since and you you and i haven't had a whole lot of time other than some you know i pass by and wave and Mm -hmm. we have a text or something sure we haven't spent much time on the mat together i i I believe that my life experiences has taught me further evolution right so Um, even, even in, in, in how I, how I handle and teach firearms, um, with, when I got my right eye injury and I had to get out of a race car and I never, you know, I was so wrapped up in that, right. I was so one dimensional in my life at that point, because that was, that was what my life was becoming. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I was running businesses off of it and and I was successful at it and I realized wow, this, this um, depth perception and this loss of peripheral vision has affected my shooting. Mm. Now it's affected my hand-to-hand and my observational ability to see outside the realm of my safety space. I had to relearn a lot of things. And so I, I, I guess in some way I was fortunate. I look at it as a gift today, and I didn't then. Um, but it had me go back through how do you teach something to an old dog? How do you teach those new tricks, right? Right. So I had to re-educate myself. Mm -hmm. And through that, I came up with some different teaching principles that helped me learn. Um, I can shoot as good left-handed as I can Mm right-handed. I can can understand depth perception because I now position my body with my, what has become my weak vision side back so that I get a better peripheral out of my left eye. I mean, you have Mm -hmm. to learn these things, man. Hey, you, we're not getting younger, right? I used to, I, I could get, I remember you remember Mark Juckett, my sparring partner mm-hmm. who was actually one of Warren Sicilianos, you know, I mean, he was six, five, 280 pounds. Mm-hmm. And he and I would get in the ring and bang each other for about two and a half hours. I don't care who you are. It hurts, right? Sure. Yeah. I I'd be up the next morning at four 30 and in the gym working out. Mm-hmm. If I got in the ring and he and I did that today, I'll see you in six months, brother. That, <laughs> <laughs> that stuff hurts.
0: that's so true that's so true now talking about your your philosophies and what you just talked about about how you are adapting your body now to uh where you might have to take it later okay Um, right how do you teach those philosophies to students coming in okay
1: so it goes back to I'm going to take on a dozen students today, and in the course of the first few days, I'm going to wash probably eight. At the end of the first week, there'll be two. There'll be one person that truly has that desire to learn the philosophy, learn the way, and understand. That's the person that I'll spend the time teaching, okay? So, I mean, I, I think there's a weeding process, unfortunately. Right. But how do I teach that one person? The first thing is you have to you have to develop. I believe that 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 bond of trust, right? That that what I'm showing you. So I'll, I'll show a group of people something, and then we'll have to individually work with each person based on their limitations. Guy's got a bad hip. Guy's got a bad knee. Guy's got some limited eyesight. Guy has arthritis. You know, I can teach a 70-year-old woman how to defend herself. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be dif- different than how I would teach a 25-year-old guy how to defend right. himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's um, and that's where I, I, I feel very fortunate in having such a history uh, in the cross-training development and training uh, the physicality part of understanding people people's abilities and limitations watching how they work and understanding their own natural physiology and their ability to adapt to a situation. I think it's incumbent upon us as an instructor to help the students identify and label their shortfall shortcomings and their limitations. If we're not accurate in telling them their limitations, they're going to have a, a real misconception appear of what they're capable of doing. Right. You know, mm-hmm. you said it. Guys sees guys see you do something and they, anyway. that's cool. Or, you know, back in my day, they'd watch a Chuck Norris movie and they'd come in and they want to learn karate. All right. right? Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody can do that. Um, but everybody brother, everybody, and you know, this to be fact can defend themselves better tomorrow with training and then they can today without.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And even if it's, we just, even if it's just that through situational awareness mm-hmm. and Observational psychology and understanding certain limitations within themselves, Mm -hmm. they could immediately be safer because they will not put themselves in a stupid situation.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Um, And but trying to get this in people's heads that that come in and they talk to you and they say, hey, you know, I don't think anything's ever going to happen. You know, you know, you've dealt with these people. I'm sure. Absolutely. You know, I, I deal yep. with it every day. I hear it yep. every day. Oh, nothing's going to happen. You know, we live in a nice city. Everything's cool. You know, but the how do you break it to them that?
1: Okay, so in in, in my firearms class, right, um, I've got about 75 slides that I show that shows, um, and they're homicide slides. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody who was beat to death with a hammer. Uh-huh. Somebody who was stabbed to death with a screwdriver, somebody that was um, you know, burned with a gas cannons, and, and you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 basically the storyline is if you have a weapon and and you, you saw me do this with one of your city of West Palm Beach brethren once, when uh um when I, I'll just use initials <laughs> when JJ said, There's no way that you can get to me you can't cover 21 feet. And I, and he had his gun pointed at me and I, and I, I took the slide off his 92 F Beretta mm-hmm. before he could drop the hammer mm-hmm. and I covered 21 feet. Right? right. What was I, I was, uh, um, at that time when I was powerlifting and teaching, I was 290 pounds, yeah. 285 yeah. pounds. Mm-hmm. And he thought there's no way a big man's going to move that fast. Right. So I, I, I illustrate to people when they see me move and they're like, wow, big guy moves fast. And then you show them these slides and say, I know you think because you have a gun or you've got a little bit of training that a, a guy with a screwdriver can't hurt you. Mm-hmm. And then I show them certain news stories that I pull out of the news that are simple things. The guy that was living across the street from this family and this guy had done flaca and he goes over there and he's murdering the family and he goes and he's just trying to be a good Samaritan. Next thing he knows, he's laying down in the front yard being stabbed in the stomach with a fork. Right. Yeah. I mean, whoever, whoever would have thought, right? Or, you know, it, it, it's that happenstance. I mean, how many times did you and I go to a, a nightclub back in the days and we'd watch fights break out? And next thing you know, innocent people are pulled into this surrounding. Absolutely. Or, you know, you're in a restaurant and somebody decides that they need a fix and they rob that restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a situation here at, the, at, a, at an international house of pancakes, guy walks in to rob the place. The cook has a gun, the cook pulls the gun, of course, wasn't trained to shoot. Mm-hmm. And so inadvertently it was an off-duty cop that that leveled the guy. But I mean, this thing broke out and three or four people got shot. Yeah. And it was all it was all because there was no awareness to the situation, right? Sure. So I think when you show people actual examples and you take take the news right now, you've got a boyfriend and girlfriend who went cross country. Mm-hmm. Now the girl's missing. Yeah. Do you think that anybody ever thought something like that was going to happen? No. You 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 need to know parents need to know who their kids are dating, even if their kids are adults. Yeah. You need to know where your family members are traveling, even if they're adults. You need to you need to have all of this communication and awareness because Unfortunately, bad things do happen, and usually it's circumstantial of uh, or the circumstances. What I mean is, you're in a circumstance or you're in a situation that you had no idea would ever happen. Mm-hmm. And and you know, dude, it, it, if people don't see that that's the world we live in today because of all of the, there's just some loony shit going on, brother. I don't yeah. know any other way to say it. And I hate to I, you know, it's you you have to be aware. Um, Just because the guy's crazy, eyed doesn't mean he's a crazy person, right? It's that quiet person, you know, the Mm -hmm. one that just, you see walking by all the time. And then all of a sudden you find out that some neighbor's animal was killed or some neighbor's kid was kidnapped or Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, you never know who it is you're walking next to.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, people being, especially in the firearms world, okay. We're seeing it now, uh, Probably the firearms community doubled, if not tripled, over the last since March, say since before yeah, March, yeah. right?
1: Because and there my... was a number that was put out. It was like six million new gun owners yeah. in, in a three-month period of time, or something.
0: Crazy, you know. And yeah. and during during the uh, the initial COVID attack, uh, my hand to hand started to slide down because we're in person, right? right. Well. It turns out that the scales, my self-defense started going down, but my firearms started going through the roof, right? And I'm out there on the range, and I'm watching people walk around with firearms in their hands, and you can tell they're brand new because they're like sitting there, and they're like walking down the street, down the road to their bay, and they're lasering everybody, you know? And it's a thing where, look, and I'm sure you agree with this, that, it's an extension of this, right? We already talked about it. Now, yep. we—I always talk about where do you carry your firearm, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and do you have accessibility to it in a flash? Because we're always on the reactionary side, you know. Something always happens. We see it. the The information has to come to the to the brain, and like you said, we're a library up here, and we have to mm-hmm. we have to go through it. In a and I always relate it to throwing the light switch on, right? It's gotta happen that fast. You gotta see it. You gotta react. And going back to that 21 foot rule, I have a mat. You well, you would been in my place. Uh my yeah. red grappling mats are 30 feet. And uh, I had a group of people come in, men, uh little only a little bit older, and they all were in this club. They were in a firearms club and they would shoot. So when I had the shoot house here uh, using ammunition. They came in, they did several classes with me, and they said, you know, we can, we can defeat a guy with a, with a knife.
1: We can, <laughs> okay.
0: So, and, and, and I don't even, you know, I explained to them that, you know, first off, the knife is never seen, right? Right. It's always, you know, you're going to feel it before you see it. And, exactly. and, and when it happens, it's not happened from across the street. If it happens from across the street and I'm a firearm owner, thank you. You know, I'm going, I'm moving, I'm getting cover, uh, or I'm getting the hell out of there. And, and if I have to, I'm drawing my weapon out. Right. So, you know, I put them on the mat and I gave one of my guys, Chris, a red, it's no lie blade. I take it and I, it's a felt tipped knife. Right. Right. And I it's lip, like the ones we used to train yeah, with. Yeah. And I lipstick it up yep. and Chris is in a full simmunition uh, regalia, Helmet, neck protection, groin protection, whole bit. This gentleman, I put a white T-shirt on him. Actually, I didn't even do that. Uh, I let him dress. I didn't want to skew anything. You know, I didn't want to take it out of how he would ordinarily be. I said, where do you carry? And he carried it at about the 5 o'clock position back by his back pocket. He had a T-shirt on, and he had a button-down shirt over it with, uh, you know, the buttons unbuttoned and i put right. him up i put him up against the wall the red mat is 30 feet long okay so i added an extra five feet six feet uh, for his you know protection i gave him another six feet and chris was down on the other end of the mat and he had the knife in his hand visible and he just paced back and forth like like a, some cat in a cage you know and i said I'm not going to tell Chris when to attack he's going to attack when he wants to you're here do you see the knife what are you going to do so he you know starts to explain to me what he wants what he's going to do and I said no I want to see the action I want to see you do it Chris was on him in 34 35 feet in a heartbeat guy connect, couldn't get to the gun yeah couldn't get yeah. to it you know and then we did it and we did it and we did it and he was marked with red lipstick, and I said, "Okay, you're ready to learn something." He said, "Yeah." So I said, "Okay, yeah. there's a thing we call movement, getting off the X, whatever you whatever terminology you want to yep. use." Okay, yep. but you got to move yep. as soon as you, your eye sees the threat. Start moving, you know. Get, get yeah. To- you
1: have to change. You have to change the target of the assailant because then the assailant has to go to his library.
0: Absolutely. And
1: sleep. And that's, and that's what we're doing when, when, you know, when you trained with me long enough to know that, you know, traditionally I would go into a police department or anything, anything that was firearms versus bladed weapon. And I would, I would easily cover 21 feet mm-hmm. and they, they'd be marked up and just, you know, and, and I, I tell the story all the time when I was doing some knife fighting with the Gahi and, um, We were, we were using what was a heavy leather bag to, to really practice with a bladed weapon. And I can remember just lighting into that bag and thinking, man, I am, I am really getting this technique down. And of course, you know, I walk off the mat and I realize both of my forearms are bleeding. My hands are bleeding Mm -hmm. because with my knife and my cross blocks and people don't realize just how dangerous, even if you're handling the weapon, how dangerous the blade is, Mm -hmm. I can shoot you multiple times. And if there's not loss of blood, there is no stoppage, right? right? I mean, exactly. Because what facilitates stoppage is loss of blood
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and uh, loss of blood pressure. So you give me a knife and I cut across the femoral artery and come back across, you know, in any, any, any live organ. I I mean, what am I two to three seconds before you bleed out? I Mm -hmm. mean, they don't understand that, you know, there was a statistic back when I was teaching a lot. And you'd say, okay, like, um, it was, I think at that time, it was about 12 or 15% of of gun encounters were fatal. Whereas it was in the high 70%, like 78, 79% of all knife encounters were fatal. Right. That tells you something, Mm -hmm. right? Because there's more loss of blood, there's more tissue damage, and there's more chance of, and so, you know, and in the mindset today, people think, these 6 million new gun owners, and it's not being derogatory towards them, but their assumption is, I own a gun now, I'm bulletproof, yeah. I, I'm safe. Well, if you don't know how to use it, you're not. And right. by the way, gun doesn't always beat knife. It it, it it depends on the operator, right? Yeah. You and I have both seen some mm-hmm. pretty talented knife fighting mm-hmm. experts. And um, even with what I, what I know, I want to be like you. I want to be across the street with a scope, because that's yeah. that's where I'll feel safe. <laughs>
0: With something in between us.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd like to have a few cars or something <laughs> between us at least. So I'm a little, get s- by I'm, a bus trying to come at me.
0: <laughs> I'm a little slower today, you know, so.
1: Yeah. But it's that mindset, John, where, you know, it's, it's, I, look, I, 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 I support people buying guns and owning guns. I, I say that if you're going to buy a gun, please go to a class, please, you know, d- you know, you know, back in the day when there was no requirement other than a two hour safety course, And you could get your concealed weapons permit. Mine consisted of six hours of classroom and 12 hours of range time. I didn't feel good putting my name on anybody's concealed weapons uh, certificate, Mm -hmm. you know, to them to apply to the state. I didn't want to give them a certificate of completion. I wanted to know that they knew how to use a gun. Yeah. Because I didn't want them shooting somebody in their family or shooting themselves. Absolutely. Let's be real. Yeah. And And there's um, people
0: doing classes today that are are an hour.
1: I can't. I just, you you know, look. Um, I, 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 live in an area where, you know, we've got the arsenal, we've got all this, um, these defense contractors and aerospace, and I'm not that far from Royal range, which is in Nashville and Royal range is a real, I don't know if you've ever, you need to look the facility up, cool mm-hmm. facility, um, it, old movie theater. So they can bring cars in, they can do all this Nice. and their new gun owners program is really cool. It's like six hours. I mean, you mm-hmm. can't, there's no, there's no easy way to get a concealed weapons permit in right. the state of Tennessee or, mm-hmm. you, you know, and, and so I, I, I always refer people that I know here in Alabama that get a gun, and they say, "Will you train me?" I, say, I, I set up. I'm very fortunate. Uh, when I first got here, I met a guy from my competitive shooting days that actually has ha, has a trap and skeet and a hunting range up here. You know, he's so he's got uh, hundreds of acres. He's got uh, he throws international um, uh, sporting clays and things like that. He's got trap and skeet houses. Um, he allowed me to put in a hundred target steel range. Uh, combatives right you know a a, a really nice combat shooting range right Mm -hmm. and so i do scenario stuff there and the fbi's moved in and the dea's moved in here that new facilities in huntsville and um, they've gone out and shot the range and they're constantly complaining because they shoot 47s and 50s and they tell him the range is too hard and blah blah blah. and i'm like it goes back to the discipline right right if if you shoot a 47 i can go out there with with a bad eye shoot it left-handed and shoot a 97 now granted i set it up but you can change it. it. It's it's about it's about acquiring a target, right? It's a, it's about acquiring the sight picture mm-hmm. and trigger manipulation. It, it's a fundamental. It. Yeah. So if you're shooting a 47 today, is it because the course is hard, or you don't know how to shoot?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I asked that question. Sure. And I, you know, they get rah rah, rah, rah rah Well, look, come on. You know, you, you want to call yourself a qualified federal firearms instructor, then then know what you're doing wrong. I, I, I worked with a guy at a range and and I was teaching some and I and I, I saw how they were shooting. And I, I look, I mean, this is this person I had worked with a long time and and I'd seen him shoot other things. And this was a new gun. And so I took the gun and I shot it. And I was like, wow. Went over to the range master and I said, out of respect. Right. I said, could you drift this front sight for me? I mean, this rear sight for me slightly because the front sight where it's sitting in the, in the position, I need you to drift Guy goes over and he's like, You know, it took 20 minutes to shoot four rounds at nine yards and said there was nothing wrong with the sight. And I'm like, yeah, Okay. So I ran the target all the way back out to 25 yards. I aimed high right so that I could adjust it with my mm-hmm. vision. Right. And I put nine through the same hole. And I said, Yeah, you're right. It must be me. And he kind of looked, you know, dejected because, and it's like, it's it's real simple. Don't allow your ego to stand in front of your own knowledge, right? Or what you're going to learn. And I think so many people today they'll stand in front. They're just so dead set that well, I, I know I know John's teaching this, but I know this. And instead of opening their mind to what you're teaching, and and learning what information they can, they may not learn anything, or they may learn ten percent or ninety percent or eighty percent. But the fact that they've already shut down because they already know it. Right. their ego is not allowing them to expand their knowledge base so basically brother their library is closed yes they've got every book they need for the rest mm-hmm. of their life yep that's a dangerous situation right there
0: yeah I've come across a few of those and when a yeah. time when a time comes to show on the range what they show yep. and what they talk about are two different things well you know, but also you know it's
1: it's in defensive tactics too brother sure. you've seen that right oh absolutely you know I, I see it a lot I mean I I, I talked to guys that were you know, and, and I have a high regard for a lot of the special teams and forces because, you know, I had some relationships and, and, um, so I, I have a high regard. Um, but I can tell you this, you're not going to walk into, a, a, a um, a conference or a class or a seminar I'm teaching. And because you, because you happen to have a certain insignia pinned on your coat, mm-hmm. do I think that, you know, everything there is to know. Exactly. Um, Because I I, I was around when they built some of those systems Mm -hmm. and I watched how those systems have degraded. I've got some guys that are local operators now that um, were part of the the group that that had flown in and helped liberate some of the Americans left behind in in Mm -hmm. Afghanistan. And um, we went through some very specific conversations and training, and it was amazing to me. What they've done with some of the modern hardware—these, um, these, these step draw uh, holsters that are hanging down by their knee—and and, yeah. and di- different ribs that—come on, man, those are not practical for what you are going into right. today. And a lot that of them aren't even great... worn properly. Exactly. And so, and these are guys that I, I like I say, are highly skilled, mm-hmm. but they were going into a very specific situation, and what they were doing was carrying obsolete information into a new scenario and you know as well as i do we have to assess every scenario the best we can when we're when we're pre-training for it Mm -hmm. and and again we can only pre-train for a scenario so much because somehow some way something's going to be different when it actually falls down to real life yeah
0: murphy exactly exactly all right man so are you training people these days i mean how many
1: how often um I'm training, I'm training some instructors. Um, okay. that's what I'm doing. I mean, I, I, I'm, um, um, I, I'm more, I'm more um, <laughs> I, I guess I, I say it's more of a consultant role to their program to help them be better, whether it's helping them with teaching observational psychology, teaching physiology, teaching actual combative sequences okay. or teaching firearms. I mean, you know, that's, today it's more about me teaching instructors to be better instructors i think i can touch more people that way than teaching a handful of people now i got a few i got a handful of people that every once in a while i don't know whether i feel like i need to get beat up or they need to get beat up and we'll throw each other around a little bit but okay. it's um cool. it, it, what i do now is i i love to you know come to a school like your. I, it's got to be a, it's got to be a place that I respect the instructor. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a school that I believe is teaching real life. Mm-hmm. And I, I love going to those places and doing a one or two day seminar and, and, and hopefully people glean the philosophy and the mindset. And what it does is it reinforces what you're already teaching mm-hmm. and it gives them a perspective Cause a lot of times as an instructor, you know, as people learn more, they start to venture out, right. They want to know more. They want to, it's really good when their core instructor or their foundational instructor gets reinforced by, by just something that somebody else teaches. And they go, wow, that's, that's what he's been saying all along, Okay, you know, and, and I know we share like principles and like minds, but that that's kind of what I'm doing now. I I try to stay, you know, I try to stay ahead of my own injuries and, and, uh, Sure. Stay ahead of my own old age. I don't want to ever be I don't ever want to be complacent because I believe all that I've learned over my 61 years has brought me to where I am today. And I I know I know what I've done and what I've helped do. And and I know the impact I've had on the martial arts world in certain realms. And I want to continue that. And I was I, I thought for a while I was ready to walk away. Mm-hmm. And I was. And, you know, for mm-hmm. for a period of time, I did. And a lot of it was more because of situational just being fed up with certain things. things. Yeah.
0: Get you. Yeah. I get you. I get you. All right. If uh, somebody wanted to reach out to you, how can they, how can they get in touch with you?
1: Um, they can, they can uh, email me at giles, Terry at bellsouth.net and um, correspondence through email. And then once we sort through things, I can um, make sure that they have a cell number or a, a way to text me and and we can do that and um, they can always reach me through you, you know?
0: Okay. Perfect. Perfect. All right, man. Uh, we're going to wrap this up and I definitely want to have you back on. Cause I uh, I would
1: love it. You know, we can, we can, uh, I I think we'd spend a little less time catching up maybe and, and and give out some, some information that would be helpful to your students and to your podcast watchers. Um, but I'm, you know, John, like I said, and I said it before, you're one of the, the few students that, um, that have carried the torch in a manner that I was intending to go. I've had guys that have gone on. You remember Chris Mansell from Texas, yes. he went on and, and won some full contact and, and point fighting championships mm-hmm. and stuff. And there's, um, there's other people that, that did what they did, whether they taught or open schools and they went traditional, but you're doing what was closest to my heart. And that is teaching real life and um, teaching people how to be safer living the life that we're in so yeah. I, I applaud you for what you're doing
0: well hey man it's uh it all and like i told you before it all started with you you know it all started with you and uh and i appreciate uh, that. i'm grateful for uh you know the instruction over the years and uh and i will keep passing this torch as for long as i can you know
1: that's 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 what we're supposed to do brother i yeah. look forward to, to not only seeing you in person but being on the mat with you sometime
0: I don't know about that. My ribs still hurt. Come
1: on. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm getting old, man. I'm getting <laughs> slow. That's what I tell them all.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. You're still the biggest guy and the fastest guy I know for your size. So
1: <laughs> I just uh, tell them, you know, the worst part about getting old, it's like the more the, the older dynamite gets, the more unstable it yeah, becomes. Exactly.
0: <laughs> That's the truth. All right, brother. We're gonna sign all right, off. Bro. All right, man. And yep. uh I'll reach out to you here in a couple of days. Peace, brother. Thank you very much. Take care, man. God bless you, brother. Same here.